This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Kathy Gapayar here and today we are joined by Lizanne Eriks, a qualified mediator who specializes in family and workplace mediation. Lizanne has a decade of experience in dispute resolution and mediation and has assisted hundreds of clients through the mediation process. She was a finalist in 2019, 2020, 2021 for Australian Mediator of the Year, Australian Law Awards, as well as the Family Dispute Resolution Practitioner of the Year in 2020. Today, she's here to help us understand how to manage conflict during a separation, to ensure the health and well-being of each parent and, of course, the kids. Lizanne, welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Kathy. It's an absolute pleasure. Wonderful. Now, before we get started, um, it's a tradition that we ask all our guests what they're cooking for dinner tonight. So what's on the menu for you tonight? Um, I'm cooking Mexican. I have uh, several vegetarians in my household. My children are vegetarian and it's a really good, healthy option. Plus, you can eat it in so many different ways. You can have it with like chips or with um, wraps or with rice. So it it suits everyone. So it's an easy and quick dinner that we eat quite often, I have to admit. (laughs) That's a perfect menu really from a mediator, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Everyone gets what they need. It's all negotiated out without having to say anything. That's fantastic. (laughs) Exactly. Wonderful. I think we're having our regular Friday night pizza. So that's (laughs) nice. Lizanne, just um, moving on to the questions, I know the area of separation and um, mediation is a key area for parents everywhere. So it's Mm. wonderful to have you here giving us your expert opinion. Separation is a time filled with many emotions, sadness, anxiety, anger, grief, and often can, you know, makes it hard to communicate um, the way we'd like to. What are some communication strategies that you suggest for couples to stay civil for the sake of the kids during the mediation process? Yeah, so I see the beginning of separation. It is a really hard process for anyone, uh, the person who leaves also, the person who, who's being left or however it went. So I often see people in that first period go kind of one way or another. This is a bit generalised, of course, but um, so people, you know, it's really hard to get through it with kind of okay communication um, and then they get better over time. But other people, it gets worse and worse and worse. And often it happens in those first kind of six months. So I think it is the first thing is to realise that it is okay to feel sad, anxious, sad and have grief. There's nothing wrong with that. And to realise that often you're both in a different different, uh, stage of grief. Often one person, what I see a lot, already has grief to relationship in the last couple of years of of the relationship itself. And for the other person, it comes as a complete surprise. And they're just right at the beginning. And statistically often dads are the ones that are a bit more surprised. So I'm not saying that's always the case. So it's good to realise that you're in a different stage um, if that's the case. And um, I think one of the things that's really important to do in relation to communication is give each other some space. Some people really over-communicate. So you're in that heightened state of emotion. If you contact each other 10 times a day about everything, um, a lot of anxiety comes from as well not having agreements in place. So it's not necessarily a communication tip, but it kind of is. If you have some interim agreements in place for the short term, 
so everyone knows what they're doing. You don't have to talk to each other all the time and people can have a bit of space to have their emotions, but not have them together, I guess. Um, and the other tip I have is to journal or write things down. So you get a text from your you know, uh, ex-partner and it is you're frustrated, you're angry, get it out of your system. Just don't press send. Like if you type an email, that's fine. Say everything you want to say. Don't press send because you're going to have to deal with the mess. And this is what people start getting into these texts and email wars and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So don't engage with that because when you're in that kind of flight, fright or freeze, heightened state of emotion, I would say just don't do anything. Don't text, don't email. And if you feel like that in a conversation, end the conversation and say, I'm just really upset right now. Can we please talk about this tomorrow morning or in an hour? Because this is not going very well. So you stop it. You have some time to calm down, calm your brain down, and then you can start responding again instead of having that kind of reactive behavior where everyone just starts slinging mud and saying awful things. And, you know, people maybe apologize later, but sometimes some things you can't actually take back anymore after they've been said. So my thing is always like try to not say it and see if you can, can get it out of your system without sharing it with the other person. That's very key, isn't it? Communicate at the right time, right place, and take space if you need it. Yeah, um, absolutely. From your experience, what are the most common issues that we need to deal with when couples are seeking mediation? Well, communication is a big one. So often people um, separate because they couldn't communicate or they didn't communicate or they communicated badly. And then um, often they carry that uh, communication over to this now separation. So one of the things I work a lot with people on is um, you are now not, no longer a couple you're now a parenting team. And that's a very different kind of situation. It's different communication. There are different boundaries. Um, and also it's an opportunity to actually set it up properly because often people in relationship have, have actually never talked about what works for you, what works for me, and they just do it. And even if it doesn't work, it doesn't get talked about. So communication is really a big thing to talk about, plus communication with the children. So one of the things we talk about a lot is how you're going to talk to the kids to, you know, to not drag them into it, but also what do they need to know? Um, what as parents do they want? Uh, do we want them to know? And then obviously uh, the main thing that gets discussed is time with the children. So, you know, the school time, the school holiday time, special occasions, Easter, Christmas, birthdays, um, schooling, pretty much anything anyone wants to discuss. Uh, but those are, are often the topics that people uh, have discussions about in mediation. And is there one issue that you find that usually trumps the others? Well, it depends what the situation is, because sometimes in some mediations we have very complex matters. So it might be that the substance abuse or actual abuse and things like that. So if that's the case, and that obviously takes a big part of we have to deal with that before we can deal with other things. Um, but I would say communication and the way people feel about each other, so emotions um, and how people see each other and the resentments they have are very, very important for, for everything. You can have the best agreement in the world, a court order, even with all the details that you want. But if you can't communicate in any way, shape or form, at one point, something will happen and will fall over because you're going to have to communicate and deal with life. You, you can't plan everything out in a parenting plan or a court order. So I think communication for me as a mediator, I think that is key to everything. And you have um, a free course that you've um, set up for parents. Can you tell us about that? 
Yes, I mean, because I'm so, you know, I'm so committed to people going the right way after separation and not going into the system because the system is broken on many levels as far as I'm concerned. So I'm really committed to keeping people out of there. Um, I created a, it's, it's like a 24 minute video and a checklist for people after separation, what to do. And also, I guess, what not to do. So it's just me talking to you and it gives you a whole checklist. And um, it's, you just have to go to whattodoafterdivorce.com and you can access it all there. It's all for free. Um, I was not planning on giving that much away, but when I start talking, I couldn't really stop. So I just just give that. So I just want people to get some resources to go, okay, what do I do? Because it's one of the questions I get the most. People are saying, I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea where to start. Like this is just so much. There's finances, there's children, there's emotions. What the hell do I do? So that's why I developed that. So people can go and have a look at that. Thank you so much, Rizan. I'm sure our listeners would love to um, listen to it and get better at all the checklists, as you say, make sure they've got it all under control as much as they can. Mm. And listeners, if you didn't catch that email URL, uh, the, in the URL, um, you can go onto the Fathering Project website and it'll all be there. So for dads who may have to face going to family law court, is there a bias towards mothers who are usually seen as the more capable caregiver, leaving fathers feeling out there having to prove themselves all the time? I don't know if that's the case. 20 years ago, I think absolutely. Um, what happens a lot though, and I think that's where this comes from, is that like the court system and, and the mediation that happens as well is like often it gets looked at the status quo. So what are these children used to? So when they now go into a change, which is separation, and I guess everyone tries to keep the kids as stable and um, a normal, whatever that means, but you know what I mean? So sort of continue on and not make drastic changes right now um, just to get everyone through this period and then build it up slowly is often what happens. And that's what some dads find really frustrated, uh, frustrating. Um, but I, I, because I guess traditionally there's still more, I guess, dads who are the breadwinner than um, mums who stay at home. However, I think that is changing very much. So a lot of my clients are a lot more 50-50 and things like that now because mums are also working. So for me, it's more based around that, like what are the kids used to? And also, do you actually have time to spend time with your kids? Because sometimes we might want to go, okay, I want 50-50 care and I want this and that. And the questions that people ask is like, well, can you pick them up from school? And uh, you know, how are you going to do these things? So I don't think it's necessarily geared towards that. I think it's more around that. And obviously the ages of the children also play a part in that. Um, but I work in the industry and I love dads. I think they're fantastic. And I think I think it is wildly recognised now that dads are as important as mothers in the children's lives. Great. But do you think that the system is also as, cog as cognizant of the father-child relationship and um, understanding that, children need to spend as much time with their father as they do with their mother? I, I don't know if everyone is on board with that, but I, I, I think in general that that is the, that is the understanding and that people, the, the, the problem that people have is it's not as simple, I think. It's a bit simple just to say they need to spend as much time with mum or with dad. So there is, you know, distance can be an issue. So if people live two hours away, well, you can want that. But if the kids have to get up at four o'clock in the morning, to go to school that just doesn't work or um, you know, like I said or people work really long hours and they're not actually home so and the other parent is home so why would the kids be with that parent and so I think it's more around that uh, than then around uh, that that it's more important to be one another I, I think every professional that I speak to knows that dads are important and there's a lot of research about it as well kids who are very involved dads 
this developed much better. Um, so yeah, so I, I yeah, I, I don't think it is it is necessarily. I know a lot of dads feel that way, but sometimes also it comes from the relationship that those two people are having. So if if the mother is not wanting to give time away to the dad, then yeah, she can make it very difficult if that's her intention. But as professionals, we will always work with you know, the mother as well saying, well, are there any risks? Is there any problems? Because if there isn't, like it is good for kids to spend time with the father and the family law act says that every child, so not parents, every child has a right of a meaningful relationship with both parents, unless there is a risk of harm. And then there's a whole list of what that might be. So we always work with, with uh, clients on the proviso that the children have a right of a meaningful relationship with both parents. And it doesn't mean always that it is 50-50 care. You can have a meaningful relationship in all sorts of ways. And mm. what about when dads find themselves in high conflict situations involving their ex-partner? Now, obviously, mums can find it being the same situation as well, but because we're the fathering project, we're focusing Absolutely. on father-child relationships. So we're asking you questions about dads. So do you have some tips on what to do and what not to do for dads? Yes. So what, what what to do is to stay calm. So what I said totally in the beginning, because sometimes um, things happen to to dads that are really um, horrible. It, it just sometimes, you know, I have lots of, um, I actually had a client this morning sharing about that again, is, you know, they, they are working away, for example, they come home, the house is empty, completely unexpected. And it's quite a traumatic experience, right? Um, but stay calm. Don't go around to people's houses. Don't go even when you're really angry or frustrated whatever happens if you start doing that you just put yourself at risk in the relationship with your kids as well because even if if as unfair things might be I'm not saying things are fair um but you before you know it as violence restraining orders all sorts of stuff so whatever you need to do go to gym box or talk to a friend or I don't know but just don't do any of that because that's not going to help you in any way shape or form um Limit contact if the conflict is really high. So also seeing each other. So a good way to do that is do handovers at school. So one parent drops off at school, the other parent picks up. So you don't have to have that interaction all the time because that can also be really tricky. And then also the kids don't have to be in that as well, which is really great. And like I said before, uh, clear agreements are really important. So you don't have to feel anxious when you're going to see your children. So that's less likely to have all if, if you already anxious and then you're constantly negotiating and asking to see your kids um, that often just escalates all the time so if you have that in place that's really great um, there are communication apps as well uh, my family wizard is one of them there's lots of different ones out there so that can help with communication if it's really hard to communicate and I would say do some programs to so like mums and dads forever programs to how to deal with the situation get help um, you know, talk to a counsellor, whatever it is that you need to do. It's, it's completely normal that this, you know, your life's upside down. Uh, this is a difficult period. So please reach out and get help. So those are the things that I would, um, would do. What I wouldn't do is send abusive text messages and go around the house, like I said in the air before. So make sure you give people enough space. Um, react when you get nasty messages or maybe sometimes people even try to bait you. So don't do it, okay? So it's just going to end up, I always say to my clients, dance like no one is watching, but text like someday it's going to be read out in court. It's all in writing. It's all there. Facebook, social media, stay off it. Do not do it. Just don't. <laughs> That's, um, and um, also don't talk to the kids about, you know, your frustration and your anger you have towards the other parent or um, get them involved. So those would, would be the things that I wouldn't do. 
Great. I guess this is also a great way for fathers to demonstrate and role model how to behave in yeah, an anxiety situation um, to their children. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it can be really hard. I do recognise that, um, but it's important. It is, yeah, very high anxiety. Would you agree, as hard as it is, during this time, the focus needs to be on the kids rather than on the ex-partner? And how can we ensure the kids don't get negatively caught up along the way? It's so easy. It's such a a, a loaded environment. Mm. And it's so tempting as well, right, particularly when your kids come out and say, mum said this about you, and it's so tempting to get in into that kind of conversation. But the main thing is always to think about um, about if you're going to be horrible about the other person, you're actually hurting your kids. And I think a lot of people don't realise that. So, you know, and um, when we talk to children, like they always want mum and dad to get on. They, it's For kids, it's a bit like in the morning someone says, oh, you just look like your mum as a compliment. And in the afternoon they hear someone say something really awful about their mother or their father and they think something's wrong with them. So I think as a separated parent, it's always to keep that in mind. Um, so don't talk badly about the other parent, even though you feel so mad, but also train your environment because often it's your mom coming in or your best mate or whoever it is, and they start doing it. So just train people not to do it. And when the kids are not around, go right ahead, say what you need to say to the people that support you. Uh, but just make sure they're not an earshot because the kids have very, very big ears. And when your kids are older, they also can read. And so they sometimes grab phones. And so be really careful with those kind of things. Don't put your ex-partner on loudspeaker in the car with the kids when you know it's going to be a tricky conversation. They just don't not, they, they just don't need to be part of any of it. Um, don't use the kids as messengers. Sometimes people get really find it so difficult to communicate with each other. They're in high conflict or they're hurting or whatever it is. So they say something like, oh, go and tell mom or go and tell dad you're not coming this weekend or this is changing or it's just not the job of the kids. They will go to the other parent. They get the reaction from the other parent. Um, and it just, even though you find it difficult, you are the parents. So you're going to have to have these conversations with each other and then let your kids know. It's super stressful for kids. Um, so also don't put all that decision-making on your children. Like kids like to know what's happening and just for their mum and dad to say, hey, let's go and do this. If you don't like it, we can talk about it, but we have decided that this is the best idea. Um, and when your kids have questions, this is the hard one, you know, give, give, I guess, appropriate for their age answers. And I think sometimes it's also okay to say, listen, this is something that you don't need to worry about. Mom and I are going to have that conversation. I don't know the answer right now, but when we have worked it out, I will let you know or something like that. Um, they don't have to, of course, kids need to know something because they're not stupid and they need some information so they don't make up all their own stories, but it has to be appropriate. They don't need to know things like, uh, I'm sorry to think of something, but um, I can't buy you sneakers uh, because mom has taken all my money or something like that, right? So it just has to be appropriate. So th those would be the kind of things that, um, that I would do. Brilliant. Lizanne, thank you so much for joining us. What an insight you've given us tonight into a high stress situation and how best to manage it for two people who, you know, have so much at stake there. Your work is amazing and you help so many children and families with what you do. Uh, you've also provided us with some great tips and strategies today uh, that are incredibly useful. I'm sure our listeners will be looking you up. Listeners, um, to learn more about Lizanne's work, you can visit lifemediation.com.au and her details will also be up on the Fathering channel. So check it out. Lizanne, once again, thanks so much and um, enjoy your Mexican dinner tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.